0: Up ahead and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks, Old Man Grognard here on Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Oh man, I've got some emails. Looks like we're going to be doing some emails this time. And our first one is from Tim Shorts in Gothridge Manor. Go ahead, Tim.
1: Hey Glenn, Tim Schwartz from Gothridge Manor. Storing books, yeah, it's always kind of a issue. I, I uh last couple years, really downsized me and my wife. Kind of got into this bit of a minimalist kick and got rid of everything we didn't need. Got rid of a, basically my library of regular books, but kept almost all my gaming books. Gave away a lot. I had... I don't know how many uh those plastic storage bins in the shed, and I was never using them, so basically I did giveaways and just you know had fun with them I didn't I don't remember selling any of them, but yeah it's it's always a challenge, so I just try to keep the things that I use these days, unfortunately, it's still a lot, so all right, Glenn, good show,
0: thank you, Tim. yeah, that storage thing is a real bugaboo sometimes. It's gotten so I use the plastic tubs for the majority of my game library. And I use milk crates for here in the office where I just put what I I kind of use on a semi-regular basis if I need to take something down for reference or something. So I've got my first and second editions here and Dark Dungeons and all my adventure writing things like Tome of Adventure Design and my DM's Reference uh, I've got Gangbusters up there and a few other things. BX, things like that. A couple things I got at the last convention. So, so that's how I do it. Uh, my movies, I've gone all to all to milk crates. <laughs> Believe me, it saves my back. And if I could do that with my books, I'd do that too. DVDs weigh and so does paper. Okay, our next one is from Frank T. From Frank T.'s liner Notes. Frank, you have the floor.
2: Hey, Glenn. Frank T here. Frank T's liner notes. I love the trope of the buddy or the um, fanboy. I've used it several times. In fact, uh, I used it. We I, I didn't have just one, but two. I had a set of twins who were acting as guides, and uh, they became enamored with the group of adventurers because they had never seen anybody like this before. And uh, they were wonderful for uh, foils, for moving the party along when there were stalls in you know, nobody knowing what to do. They became a uh, comic relief when they would start to fight with each other. Uh, it was just really a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for me as a GM to be playing those NPCs as well.
0: Thank you, Frank. I appreciate that. First time call in. Nice. Yeah, the buddy thing works out well. I've done that not... I haven't done it very often, but when I've done it, it really works for the role-playing. I remember back in my 2E days where we had a group and I ran the White Boar of Killfay, which is found in Dungeon Magazine. And in there, they had a cowardly goblin who was left behind by his tribe because he was kind of a doofus. And he was very cowardly. And he ended up getting attached to the party afterwards. And he came he became enamored of, not enamored of, but admiring the dwarf because he was so rough and tough. And he said he wanted to be a fighter. He wanted to be an adventurer. And he asked the dwarf to train him. And first thing the dwarf does is take his hand and hand him on the head. Boom. He said, what'd you do that for? He says, when you learn to dodge that, that's your first lesson. And he was getting to be quite a good NPC hireling until somebody else it was kind of a rotating dm thing another dm got a hold of him and basically used him as a plot point for storage for some kind of mystical device and he kind of he he sacrificed himself for this thing and that was it and i was sorry to see him go because we're getting some really good role playing out of him because he basically he came became the like the the cookie of the group he was the guy who made the meals and the, you know, they taught him, no, you no, you don't use roadkill for this, only in emergencies. We have meat here, we have some spices, and there's another PC who taught him how to make a decent meal. So he became that, plus the, he was the the mule. Here, carry this, here, carry that, that kind of thing. Oh, all no, all, it was good. But yeah, I, I like using those kind of characters. And finally, we have Colin from Spike Pit. Take it away, Colin.
3: Hi, Glenn's It's Colin. It's Pitt. Just calling in, really, to pick your brains, mate. I don't know if you've ever thought of doing a little bit of a feature on how you produce your, your podcast, really. Some tips and tricks. You've got a well-polished production there. And uh, I think some of us guys that have obviously not been doing the media stuff for as long as yourself could benefit from a little bit of that wisdom no pressure <laughs> but um, I would appreciate it if you could uh, throw us a bone mate that'd be great oh yeah and the other thing I've been meaning to ask for ages is uh, is there a story behind your music because uh, I really I really like it it's um I find it quite uplifting so if there is a story perhaps you could uh, let us know cheers mate bye
0: And I thank you very much for that, Colin. Production tips, huh? Hmm. Well, my production's pretty straightforward. I use my regular all-in-one Windows desktop PC here to record, and I'm using an old copy of Adobe Audition to do that. Before that, I was doing Audacity. I I never use Audacity for editing. I always use Audition for editing. Uh, Audacity, to to me, seems kind of clunky. And I was trained on Adobe Audition. I actually went to broadcasting school, trained in production on Adobe Audition back when it was called Cool Edit Pro, but it's the same, it's the same program. So I record there and then I go over my recording because I'm kind of anal that way because I try to take out clicks pops and if I pause too much and I have sinus problems and post nasal drips so I tend to have to cut out things like you never hear me I cut out every instance of me clearing my throat because otherwise I can't talk. So I use that to clean it up and then I use the multi-track function on on audition to add the what I call the top and the tail, the intro and the ending, which I've already pre-recorded. I've already made on audition. And that's pretty much the way it is. Then I send it out in the wild. Oh, I also use a program called the... <laughs> I forget what it was called now. I use a program called the Levelator, which is a free program. It's open source. And all you have to do is you install it and you click on it. It brings up a box as Levelator on your desktop. And then you take a, either a wave or an AIFF, AIFF file. That's the only two formats it'll deal with because then I save it into WAVE and I just drop it on that box and it levels it and spits out an output file. And I look at that and it's all leveled. And then I convert it back to MP3 and send it out in the wild. Something like that. And that's how I do that. As far as audio goes, I use a headset. I use, like, I use a gaming headset because... I use the MPOW EG3 gaming headset 7.1, which you can find on Amazon, and it's pretty reasonably priced. I think it's under 20 bucks or it could be like 25. You know, it's it's very reasonably priced headset. And this is like the third or fourth headset I've had. Because I went with a gaming headset because I needed something that was tough. Because for some reason I go through headsets. The band across the top of my head, this is very, this is very, you know. It You can, it'll take a licking and the band across the top of my head for my other heads, it's always seemed to break. They're adjustable, but that plastic inside would always break. And so I, I couldn't, it wouldn't hold on my head after, you know, I've done things where it's like, I'm in the middle of a podcast, it just slips off my head. And so I went out and got something, paid a little more and got something. I mean, it's metal and there's no band... There is a band across it, but it's more of a... It's more of a fabric type thing, and the cord is... Fat. It's it's tough. It is really tough. And because I go through them. I just, I just go through headsets for some... Because I, I'm trying to be careful with them, but I don't know. I just... My head is... Maybe it's me. I don't know. Probably is me. Anyway. Oh, you want to know about the music? Okay, I never made any secret of the fact that I use... For this podcast and my videos and my other and any other podcast, I use uh, Robert Crum and his cheap suit serenaders. I found an album of theirs in the on the internet archive and I use music from that. I've used that since I started my videos and I, I picked out a song for the theme for each thing I do. This one, it's Alabama Jubilee. My first one, the regular Old Man Grognard show on YouTube for video, that was My Girl's Pussy. And what else did we have? Uh, I believe the review show is a song called Cheap Special. And there was another one. Oh, the, uh, the Oops videos is a hula medley they do. And the Grognard 101 video series is Hula Girl. So you can look up R. Crumb and his Cheap Suit Serenaders on the Internet Archive. You can probably find the album I was using. I love using his stuff. It's just quirky enough. It's kind kind of my kind of quirky. So you know what I mean. Anyway. Well, that's about all we got for the show this time. <laughs> thank you for thank you everybody. Thank you, Colin. Thank you everybody for sending the the uh, voicemails. And you too can send me a voicemail if you want to at anchor, or you can send me an email at, oldmangrognar at gmail.com. And for this show, as little as ninety nine cents a month, if you'd like to help support us, you can support this show, and I would thank you. So, I'm going to go finish my day, or start my day, or whatever I'm doing.